even though it may not use that precise term. And so, let's begin by asking for a definition of gambling. What does it mean to gamble? Well, one online dictionary gave this definition to play a game of chance for money or property, to bet or wager on uncertain outcome. And so for uh, want of a better definition, uh, we'll stick with that one, uh, that definition of gambling. And there uh, in the first slide that we saw a moment ago, are just some examples of gambling, whether it's a poker game or a roulette wheel or slot machines or tossing the dice on the craps table or betting on the horse races or the dog races at the track, whatever it might be, I suppose there are thousands of different ways that one can gamble. Uh, but those, those are just a few uh, of those. Uh, okay, what happened? <laughs> we'll get the, the, the tech... The tech expert will take care of us. All right. There we go. All right. We want to talk about gambling and the fact that it does not mean merely taking a risk. There is a difference between simply taking a risk and gambling. Someone says, well, Joe, all of life is a gamble. You know, you gamble when you get out of bed in the morning because you might have a heart attack and die. Or you didn't gamble if you don't get out of bed, because then you might have a heart attack and die. You gamble when you cross the street. Someone might run over you. I beg to differ. That is an improper use of the term gamble. Is all of life something that involves risk? Well, yes, it is. That's just the way that it is. In this sinful world, there are risks that we have to take. And no matter what we do, we're taking the risk. But that does not mean that all of life is gambling. I'll put it this way. All gambling involves risk, but not all risk-taking is gambling. That's like saying all snow is white, but not everything that's white is snow. All right? So, yes, gambling is a risk, but it is not a legitimate risk. And I would maintain that something that is a legitimate risk is not properly classified as gambling. Uh, Marita and I both grew up in eastern Colorado on dryland farms. We are from a farming background. We know somewhat about risk. A farmer works hard all year long, prepares the soil, plants the seed. Does he always make a crop? Oh, we could wish. We could wish. But you know that is not the case. There is risk involved in farming. But say farming is a gamble? No, sir. Not in the sense that we're defining that word tonight. There is a difference between legitimate risk and actual gambling. Uh, let me ask you this question. Would it be within the will of God for you to own a business and operate? I know of no one who would say, well, no, that's a bad thing. You shouldn't own a business and operate it. All right, well, what if you want to expand your business and you need a million dollars to expand your business? You don't have a million dollars. And so you come to me because everyone knows the preachers are just filthy rich. And so I say to you, well, 
I'd be willing to, to help you expand your business with my million dollars. And so you make a, a deal with me and you say, well, I need the million dollars to expand my business. And as a condition of that, you will be a 25% owner in my business. And that way, if, if your business does well, I profit from it as well as you. Okay? We commonly call that buying shares of stock. That would be like me buying 25% stock in your business. That, I have heard from various people, well, that's the same as gambling. No, it isn't. It is not the same at all. It isn't the same if you had all control of your business. We wouldn't call that gambling. Is it a risk? Are you always going to succeed and make money? Probably not. And if you don't make money, I will lose some of my investment as well, won't I? But the fact of the matter is, a legitimate purchase of a part of a company, which let's say you go uh, to the stockbroker and buy however many shares of General Motors or Ford or General Electric, you name the company, you are in essence a part owner of that company. And for all of the bad things that go on in Wall Street, I will maintain that it is not gambling, it is not the Las Vegas style of gambling to own shares in a corporation. If the corporation does well, you benefit. If it doesn't do well, you don't benefit. Uh, but it is not the game uh, that would be played for uh, a, a chance just just a, an unknown outcome, just a throw of the dice, a flip of the coin, whatever that, uh, whatever that process might be. So let's talk about gambling. Well, there it is again. <laughs> what am I doing wrong here? I did something wrong. Probably. Okay. My big thumb probably hit the wrong button, didn't it? Oh, so be careful Okay. All right. Whatever works. Okay. Thank you. Uh, we're going to talk about the fact that gambling is not a legitimate means of transferring items of value from one person to another. And we'll begin by talking about, about the fact that gambling is not work. If it were work, it would be a legitimate thing. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18, says the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now, we would all recognize that. Number one, it's Bible. It's going to be true. But we'd recognize that anyway, wouldn't we? Uh, if you hire me to paint your house or to detail your car or whatever it is you want me to do, uh, it would be entirely reasonable and proper for me to expect to be paid for my labor. The laborer is worthy of his wages. And we all understand that. Uh, Paul's letter to Timothy there, he was quoting Jesus in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 7. Jesus himself said that the laborer is worthy of his wages. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him do what? Labor, work, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Then Paul again uh, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. 
So the idea is if you do work, then you should be paid for that so that you can eat. And I think we all understand that. But gambling simply is not work. Gambling provides no useful service. Stop and think about it. Whether it's the one-armed bandit in Las Vegas, or whether it's a poker game, or whether it's some other form of gambling, the lottery, or whatever, there is no useful service being performed. Gambling simply is not work. Neither is gambling the sale of goods. If it were, it would be a legitimate thing. Uh, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 45, the early Christians sold their goods and possessions and divided them among all as anyone had need. Well, we would all recognize that as being a good thing. If, if someone has a, a possession and he wishes to sell it, certainly he has the right to do that. Maybe you want to sell your house. Maybe you want to sell your car. Maybe you want to sell something else that you possess. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. The Bible backs up your right uh, to do that very thing. Uh, when you go to uh, the grocery store, the grocer sells you whatever items of food that you have decided to purchase, and you in turn give the grocer some of your money. That is a legitimate transaction. No one would say that that is uh, something that is evil or that is wrong. But in gambling, that's not how it works, is it? In gambling, either I take your money and give you nothing in return, or you take my money and give me nothing in return. And of course, I'm hoping that it's, I take yours and give you nothing. You, know, you, you understand what I'm saying there. The point is, neither one of us are providing a service of any kind. We're, we're not selling something. We're not serving anybody. We're just taking money uh, that really we have no particular right to take. So gambling uh, is not the sale of goods. And third, gambling is not giving. If it were, it would be a legitimate thing. Uh, we read in the second chapter of Acts in verse 45, they divided their money, the, the good, the money that they had from selling their, their goods and their possessions, divided them among all as any had need. And again, we would commend brethren for doing that. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. And the passage from Ephesians says, work with his hands what is good, so that he may have something to do what now? To give to him who has need. Well, gambling simply is not giving. Gambling, rather, promotes taking. That's the idea of gambling. Uh, the, gamble, the gambler's goal is not to give away something, but it is to take something that used to belong to someone else. So bottom line, I'm going to submit to you this evening that gambling is immoral. And you might think that's a bit extreme. Well, it, it's, it's not adultery, it's not murder. Those things we know are immoral. Gambling is immoral. Why would we say that gambling is immoral? Well, first of all, because it violates the work ethic. 
In the first two chapters of Genesis, we see God creating everything, including Adam and Eve, our first parents, puts them in the Garden of Eden, and Adam lays around in his hammock all day and waits for Eve to bring him pineapple juice, right? No, I don't think so. God gave Adam work to do. Even in that beautiful paradise garden, there was work to be done to tend and keep that garden. Work is a good thing. It is not to be frowned upon. We should not turn up our nose and sneer at the idea of work. Well, gambling doesn't promote the work ethic. It violates it. It promotes the something-or-nothing philosophy. The gambler says... I want what is yours, and I don't want to give you anything in exchange for it. In fact, I'll go so far as to look at Colossians 3, verse 5, where Paul said that greed is idolatry. Gambling promotes laziness and greed. Gambling is not labor. We've seen that already. And gambling is trying to get something for nothing. I'm trying to take what used to belong to you and have it now belong to me, and I've not given you any labor in return, I've not given you anything material value in return, I've just tried to take away what belongs to you. And that is, by definition, greed. And so, we would say that gambling is a, an act of greed. Uh, it is what I have come to call theft by mutual consent. You think about that for a moment. Say, well, we, we agreed together that uh, we were going to put up this, this stake, this amount of money, and if you win, then you get it, and if I win, then I get it. And yes, we agreed. We, we have each other's consent to do that, but I am still not giving you anything of value for what you are putting up. And so that is, by definition, theft by mutual consent. Look at it this way. Suppose you and I get into a spat and we decide we've, we've just got to settle this and we're going to duel. We're going to have a duel. And so we go out and we take our ten paces and we turn around and we shoot at each other. And you shoot me and kill me. What's going to happen to you with our current system of law? You're going to be arrested. What's the charge going to be? charge will be, at very least, voluntary manslaughter and probably some degree of murder. Because everyone recognizes that dueling is simply murder by mutual consent. Well, by that same logic, gambling is theft by mutual consent. And again, we think of Ephesians 4.28, let him who stole steal no more. Stealing is typical of someone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus. You know the Lord. You ought not to be involved in theft, whether it's by mutual consent or whether it's by sneaking into somebody's house in the middle of the night and carrying off their television. Both of those are wrong. Both of those are theft. The difference is that one is indeed by mutual consent. Gambling is addictive. Dr. Robert Kussler of the National Council on Compulsive Gambling 
said this, it is one of the purest forms of psychological addiction known. Gamblers can become indifferent to eating, sex, and affection. You look at that statement and look at what can happen to a compulsive gambler, that is pretty radical stuff when you stop and think about it. It's psychological addiction. It's not a physical addiction, obviously, but it is indeed a psychological addiction. In fact, internet gambling, which is one of the fastest growing forms, has been called the crack cocaine of the gambling game. Uh, crack cocaine of gambling because it is easily available and it is very, very powerful. Once someone starts in on that behavior on that practice, it is very difficult for them to stop. Uh, in the year 2016, there were an estimated 10 million compulsive gamblers in the United States of America. Do you realize that's more than, if we could take every man, woman, and child in the DFW Metroplex, say, okay, every one of them is a compulsive gambler. It wouldn't be as many as what we actually have. Now, if every man, woman, and child in the DFW Metroplex was a compulsive gambler, would you say we had a problem? I kind of think maybe we would. And so, yes, gambling is indeed addict addictive. Ten, 10 million, as we said, compulsive gamblers, more than in the entire Metroplex. 750,000 of those, by the way, are from age 14 through 20. That's scary. Stop and think about that. From age 14 through 20, already compulsive gamblers. There are 15% of adults who gamble online on a weekly basis. And there are all kinds of ways that you can gamble online. These, these video poker things that, that are, are online, you, most of them are outside the United States. They're totally unregulated. You know, that, that in itself ought to give you pause. Say, well, if, if I win anything, am I going to get my money? Probably not. If you lose it, they've got your credit card. Uh, I promise you, you will lose uh, what you said, uh, what, what you, you bet. Uh, if you are on the losing side, you will most assuredly uh, lose what you have put up. So 15% of adults gamble online weekly. 6% of college students gamble online weekly. By the way, I'm not just making up these statistics. I know statistics can be mind-numbing, and sometimes people just throw out statistics off the top of their head. I have researched this. You can get online and research it yourself. Uh, this is not from uh, a religious study of some kind. This is from people who actually have done their homework and have studied this through and have compiled the statistics that 6% of college students are gambling online on a weekly basis. There's an organization called Gamblers Anonymous. You've heard of Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, there's Gamblers Anonymous. Why do you suppose anybody had to start that organization? It's because we've got a problem in these United States with compulsive gambling. 
as we've seen, multiplied millions of people are involved not only in uh, just a little bit of gambling, let's say, but they are compulsive gamblers. They're addicted to it. They have a very difficult time stopping and probably can't stop without some serious help. So let's realize that gambling is indeed addictive. Not only that, but gambling destroys families. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 27, he who is greedy for gain troubles his own house. And that is absolutely true. Solomon wouldn't have said it if it wasn't true. The Lord wouldn't have inspired him to record it if it wasn't true. But that is true in many, many ways. It increases the odds of divorce. Divorce is more common among gamblers than it is among those who do not gamble. Uh, it certainly involves deception. You know, I, I'm trying not to let my spouse or my family know what it is that I'm doing. I, I don't want them to know that I blew this week's paycheck uh, on, on gambling rather than buying groceries and some shoes for, for the children. Uh, so I, I, I deceive them that way. There's neglect and abuse of spouses that is commonplace uh, because of gambling. Uh, it increases the odds of child abuse and neglect. And so it also, of course, causes poverty, and that's going to lead us right into the next section, and that is that gambling is simply poor stewardship. Everything we have, surely we realize this as members of the body of Christ, everything we have ultimately belongs to God. Even our own bodies. Paul says, you are not your own, you've been bought with a price. But everything we have belongs to God, and we are simply stewards of what he has given to us. He has given us control of certain things, including a great deal of material wealth. And so the question is, what do we do with that? Do we exercise good stewardship, or are we poor stewards? Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. Uh, the word talent there doesn't refer to an ability. A talent was a unit of money. You read in the scriptures about talents of gold and talents of silver. Well, a talent was uh, a pretty good chunk of change when you get right down to it, especially if it was gold. And so what we're looking at there are resources. When God gives us resources, he expects us to use those resources to his glory. Because as we said, we are stewards. We take care of that which belongs to another, and of course that other is God. And so uh, gambling is just particularly poor stewardship. Uh, it takes from what belongs to someone else and uses it in a way that is not pleasing in the sight of God. Let's talk about how big this problem is. In the year 2017, Americans spent 80 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars on lottery tickets alone. That is more than the entire Veterans Administration budget for that year. Does it irk you as it irks me that our veterans are not being taken care of as they ought to be? You know what? 
if Americans took the money that they spend on lottery tickets and used that in a more productive way, like taking care of our veterans, that problem would be solved. That $80 billion is more than the VA budget for that entire year. Texas's share of that, by the way, is $5.2 billion. Our fellow Texans spent $5.2 billion on lottery tickets. Now, well, but I, I might win. Yeah, you might. Odds of winning the state lottery, one in 25 million. Well, I don't play state lottery. I play Powerball. I, that's the big one. And it is the big one. Odds of winning, one in 292 million. You're more likely to be struck by lightning. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. It's just somebody's going to win, yes, I'll acknowledge that. But it isn't going to be you. Uh, one chance in 292 million, that's pretty wild when you get right down to it. How big is this problem? In the year 2017, casino revenues. I'm talking about not online casinos, but actual casinos that you could go to and walk in the door. The, the rev, revenues for 2017, $76 billion. Again, think about that in comparison to what that money could be used for in a productive, godly way. Something that would actually help somebody, would actually do some good. And yet, uh, there it is, $76 billion out of that casinos took in. So let's just look at gambling, look at the way that it's spelled, and look at some words that kind of fit in here. When you think of the word gambling, think of greed. Because what is gambling? I'm trying to take something that belongs to you, and I won't want to give you anything for it. I don't want to buy it. I don't want to work for it. I just want to take it. That's greed. Addiction. We've talked about how addictive gambling is. Millions and millions of our fellow citizens are addicted to gambling. Think of misery. All the misery that comes as a result of gambling. People who waste their money, that can't afford food, can't afford clothing, can't afford to take care of their families, can't afford the rent, can't afford the mortgage payment, can't afford gasoline for the car. Because... Oh, I'm just sure if I, if I just gamble one more time, I, I'm, I'm going to hit the big time. I'm, I'm going to make it big. It doesn't happen. Think of the misery. Think of the begging. Poor little children whose mothers and daddies don't take care of them because they've spent the money gambling rather than taking care of the children. Think of L as loser because... The vast, vast, vast majority of the time. Does anyone ever win? Yeah. And you realize, let, let's just take the lottery for an example. Look at how many people have won those millions and millions of dollars in the lottery. In five years, they're broke and divorced and probably messed up socially and in many, many other ways. Did they really win? Not exactly. Not exactly. Insecurity. Oh, what? How, how am I going to make the car payment? How am I going to 
do the things that are unnecessary for myself and my family because I've wasted my money gambling. I don't care whether it's in Las Vegas or whether it's buying lottery tickets at the local gas station. It doesn't matter. It's all the same in principle. Neglect. We've talked about the fact that gamblers tend to neglect their families, their children, their spouses, their work. Just all kinds of neglect. And then there's the guilt. Oh, look at what I've done. I did it again. I told myself I wouldn't do this. I told myself I was going to stop. And now I've done it again. The guilt that goes along with it. Gambling is contrary to the will of God. Whether it's small-time gambling, whether it's raffles, lottery, incidentally, that's a pet peeve of mine. I totally object to our school children being asked to be involved in selling raffle tickets. That rubs this cat's fur the wrong way. And the cat is not going to turn around. That just that, that is the same in principle as any other form of gambling. It's promoting that something-for-nothing philosophy. If a cause is worth supporting, whether it's the band or the the cheerleading squad, or whatever it is. If that cause is worth supporting, it's worth supporting without trying to get something for nothing. Support it if it's good. But don't ask our children to gamble. That is just wrong. It is just sinful. End of rant. Same in principle as, as the $1,000 bets at a casino or anywhere else. The fruit of the gambling tree is overwhelmingly evil. Jesus said the tree is known by the fruit it bears. You look at the fruit of the gambling tree and ask, is it good or is it bad? Now the promoters of gambling will tell you, oh, if, if, if we just had more gambling, why, we could fix every highway in the nation. We would repair all our bridges. We would pay all our teachers twice what we're paying them now. And if you believe that, I have a bridge, I will sell you. And it's not even in Brooklyn. That is absolutely wrong. There have been countless examples where that line was peddled and the voters bought it. And they said, yeah, we're going to have gambling. And guess what? The roads are still a mess. Teachers are still underpaid. And none of those other problems have been solved either. And so don't get the idea that the fruit of the gambling tree is anything but overwhelmingly evil. There is no legitimate reason, most assuredly, to gamble with your soul. And so we're going to offer the Lord's invitation this evening for any who may need to respond to it in any way, whether you need to put on Jesus in baptism, or whether as a child of God you need our assistance in some way to make your life right with the Lord again. If you're subject in any way to the Lord's invitation, come as we stand and sing to the curtain.